The sky is glowing orange, pink, and blue, backlighting the black hill, making it stand in even starker contrast than usual with the horizon. It's Oath Day morning, early. The workday isn't set to begin for a couple hours yet. Even then, many of the workers of Torch simply have nothing to do. The portable forges and foundries are parked in garages. The fires are cold, and the precious sky metals sit in storage, waiting to be hauled up the steep and winding road to the summit of the Black Hill once more. Still, one by one, the houses of Torch come alive for the day. Parents wake their children, hopeful that today will be the day to return to work. They sit down for an increasingly modest breakfast. Life in Torch is perched on the razor's edge. The threat of the Technic League hangs over everything. The harsh plains surrounding the town loom large, almost threatening to reclaim the small settlement. Everything depends upon the flame that's absent from the top of the hill. A human man, his long hair closer to gray than black, sits on a workbench in the foundry, sweat dripping from his brow. He looks as if he's been hard at work for quite a long time now, perhaps all through the night. His only companion is a battered, broken, ancient robot and a wide array of exotic tools laid out on the bench next to him. He grabs what looks like a wrench from the spread and weighs it in his hand, the cold iron feeling familiar like an old friend, and leans over to the broken machine, set to remove another piece of the puzzle. But he stops for a second. He can't even clearly say why. He twists himself around and looks out the window at the huge hill that looms over the town. It's still dark. Maybe it will be forever now. But the ground shakes with a sudden bang. Something from deep inside the earth. Then there's another one. Reflexively, the man at the foundry pushes himself up with two hands and carries himself closer to the window, towards the black hill. Something big is happening inside. His eyes trace the slopes up to the flattened top that sits under the early morning sky. The torch is still out. But for how long? This is Pot Against the Machine. Pot Against the Machine. Welcome back to Pot Against the Machine, the only actual play podcast that spends seven consecutive days slowly walking from one end of a cave to the other. I'm your host, and here is everybody. Uh, Hi. Hello. Is it on, Sam? Like the Hello. microphone? I, I think it's on. <laughs> uh, I'm going to check Audacity. Don't play coy with me or the <laughs> listeners, especially not them. Not the listeners. I haven't the foggiest idea what you're talking about. We're all sense motive on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when last we left our heroes, they um, tried to save Mayanda's life, but she wound up kind of saving her own life uh, by just rolling a natural 19 and stabilizing. Uh, then they stole all her stuff, tied her up with super high-tech duct tape, um, carried her around for a while, uh, looted the place, Finally found that white key card, looted another spot, found some bombs, and um, decided, you know, they're, they're good. They're good on this whole Undermountain thing. We're making a bail. Uh, so, 
that's where we are now. How's everybody feeling? What do we think? Did we accomplish something? We don't know. Sam? Are we allowed to look yet? Can we turn around? <laughs> oh, we have to walk all the way back to town before we're allowed to turn around and see if it's lit. <laughs> you have to wait for a total eclipse of the heart to play as you uh, there it is. slowly turn around. I turn around too many times uh, to not. Yeah, I tried to fight it, but you just Did you? said it multiple times. And mm. That's I all mean, it I, I need you more than ever. <laughs> now? Tonight. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Let's move it on. Great. Is it on, Sam? <laughs> the torch. It's hot in this office. I can't take it. Well, I want to set a scene for all of you as you start swimming up through the terrible, stinky water. A crowd has gathered around Weeping Pond, seemingly waiting for something to happen. There are dozens of them. The familiar faces of Dolga Frederick, Jormkite, Valbane. Mile and Radley are up near the front. There's no telling how long they've been waiting there. The assembled audience has left a few feet around the lip of the pond for you all to climb out without feeling crowded. But a change sweeps over them as they see you emerging from the murky water. Hushed conversations end abruptly. Nervous faces soften, and all their heads turn towards the pond as a voice calls out from a couple rows back. Let's hear it for the very capable four! Cheers and applause rise up. It's likely a startling sight. You poke your heads out of the clouded, stinking water that leads out from under the hill, and half the town is there to give you a standing ovation. But if you take a moment, and I'm not sure that you would think to do this, to just turn your heads and look up behind you, way, way up at the top of the hill, there's no question of why they're cheering for you. The purple flame on the top of the hill is burning brighter than you've ever seen it, cutting a plume straight up that disappears into the clouds hundreds of feet above. The torch is lit. The town is saved. You did it. All right. So that's the show then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been a good one, everybody. That was a lot of fun. That was really good. Happy six months. Vargas only came to see the torch lit. He's done it. No, he's he's got nothing else to do now. He's going to go wander out into the waste and die. Good for yeah, us. I'm sure Sandbill's got two more days on that disgusting cabin or so. I know where Bricks is going. We're good. <laughs> it would be hilarious if, like, the party just broke up and we all rolled up new characters for the next part of the adventure. <laughs> all right, see you later, guys. I've heard Scrapwall. We need awful. someone who has a reason to want to go to Scrapwall. <laughs> no, I think Asher would look up and see that the torch is on and he would just be beaming uh the, the thing that came to my mind immediately was that he would just kind of throw his hat into the air and let out like a who and then you know grab it and put it back on <laughs> Real quick. and he'd probably just give brixby and then like a vigorous handshake and same to to vargas if he'd reciprocate and then kind of Awkwardly shake Kira's hand because she's a teenage girl. Uh, <laughs> I really think it was the stickers that gave us the edge. Yeah, I was thinking so too. I think Vargas is like not even paying attention to anything else there. He's just kind of staring up at the lit torch with his mouth kind of hanging open. Yeah, it, it looks more like 
it looked in Vargas's dreams, really, than it, it looked in real life. In real life, it's usually the size of a bonfire, and sometimes it flares up and it shoots mm. a couple hundred feet up into the air, but only for, like, a little while. Yeah, and he never saw it this close in real life either, because by the time he was, like, a day or two outside of town was when it went out. So, and now he's standing, like, right under it, basically. I think, um, Brixby receiving vigorous handshake and then trying to turn it into a hug, but just kind of being <laughs> kind of... Well, no, that's... that's Let's just shake here. Um, he's going to turn back from the, the torch to the faces of the people in the crowd and just look at the glow reflecting off of their faces and their eyes. And his shoulders are going to drop for the first time in a couple days. Like, stress is going to kind of leave his body. And he's going to smile for the first time, I think, since the silver disc call. You know, um, and just then look back at the group. I yeah, I also was gonna say Kira fully goes for a hug. Handshakes are boring and lame. But as soon as that she's gone around the little ring, I think she's uh, looking also looking back at the crowd, uh, specifically for any of her family members. Yeah, I mean Kira can pretty quickly um, pick out her father, who um, the rest of the party, or at least a couple of them, has seen before as the one working at the um, Artisans Guild. Um, and it takes her a second um, to find anyone else, but a row or two back into the crowd, sort of tucked away a little bit, there's a middle-aged human woman, and she's not clapping. Uh, she has um, some thin streaks of gray cut into her light brown hair, and she's wearing um, you know, a, a nice-looking cloak that bears the seal of the Torch Town Council. And she's smiling. And her eyes are are just a little bit glassy, showing just the slightest hint of accumulating moisture as they're locked onto Kira's face. And she, um, when she actually manages to make eye contact, um, she smiles a little bit wider and gives you a sort of chin-up nod, and then she starts clapping. Uh, along with the rest of them. I'm pretty sure Kira bowls down the first, like, two, three people <laughs> in a row. Just, sorry, 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 sorry. Make an attack roll. Roll for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> a CMB, maybe, in this case. I'd argue for a bull rush. That's a, that's a rush. <laughs> Charge light. Um, but she will, I think, kind of forgetting her friends for the first time in a couple of days, just, like, bolt, and her dad, uh, bolt straight for her <laughs> mom, and like, bye-bye. I, I haven't. I, I'm sorry. I, I. Are you? Is Amy okay? Is everyone okay? We we put the torch back on. I just wanted to fix it to make sure that everything was okay. But I couldn't come home, and then I didn't come home. So we but we lit it. It's okay now. It's really, really okay. Maybe too okay. It's kind of big. I don't know. Or hi, mom. <laughs> and she gives you a second to get the um, run and a momentum there. But uh, all the while, she is giving Kira a big hug. Um, totally ignoring the fact that she's dripping wet with uh, the aforementioned stinky, stinky water. And she says, Calm yourself down, Kira. Everyone's alright. Don't worry about that. I'm just happy you you came out of there. When we heard none of you came out last night, uh, we hope we expected the worst and, until the you lit the torch. You did it. Yeah. Well, we had to fight a gargoyle and also another lady. We, um, 
don't freak out. I do have like a lot of bodies just in the area. But also the torch is lit. So like, let's focus on that. Also, we murdered that guy that comes to town once a week to sell robot parts. <laughs> we did murder a lot of people. <laughs> and she um, sort of shrugs and, and looks at you. Just like, well, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you, you did what you needed to do. We can discuss the, the specifics of it later. I, I think now, right now is... It's a bit public as she looks around and the whole town is like all gathered in a big circle here. You're all just, just kind of standing on the edges of the pond. And it's it's kind of weird. I think by now the clapping has kind of died down because people can only sustain that for so long. But it's still like a pretty high energy crowd as a bunch of people are, are talking and jostling about. Did you say if Connor was there? Uh, you don't see Connor at an immediate glance. Val's there. Because I'm interested, like, I, the player, know from uh, some of the intros that Sam has cut that Connor is apparently okay. But as far as Vargas knows, Sandville murdered him. <laughs> like, he was very kind of dodgy on answering the question of whether or not Connor was okay. So I think he's going to be kind of worried once he can pull his attention away from the torch to not see Connor there. And I feel like while Kira is talking to her, he's going to go up to, uh, what's her name, Val? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, you, uh, Val, where's your father? Is he all right? Yeah, he's... He's doing a lot better. Um, he's he's back at at home, at the foundry. Um, he wanted to come out, but this was all kind of fast, and he's he's not moving really fast right now. But um, his head's better, and he he's he's working on something for his legs. It'll probably be a little bit, but you know, he's so he's okay. He is he is healed. Then his malady with his head is healed. Yeah, he said, uh, that awful guy, um, <laughs> Tret, he gave him some medicine, um, I guess, um, and it, it just, you know, it cleared it out where magic couldn't. That's, that's good to hear. And he's not going to mention anything about, oh yeah, no, we murdered that. <laughs> also, is it possible your dad is some sort of international criminal mastermind, something like that? Which we shouldn't say to her, but we could. You should ask her that after the thing about the bodies in the area. <laughs> that would be great. It's like, look, I just need everybody if. to know two things. We killed a lot of people, and something is potentially wrong with Connor Ben. <laughs> I'm still wondering if maybe he kidnapped Val, if that's what it is. Like, yeah. he didn't adopt her. He, like, stole her from a Kellid tribe or something. Did your people tattoo babies? Because that was a possibility. <laughs> That was discussed in the bloopers of episode 20. Don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> so are you bringing any of those things up, to be clear, in front of the whole town? Uh, no, the only <laughs> thing I ask her about is, is Connor okay? Yeah, and, and she is clearly, like, happy. She's not distressed yeah. like you've seen her. Yeah, because yeah, that's what he was worried about, that Sandville basically, like, tortured him for info and then just killed him and lied and said he fixed him. 
Connor knows the arrangement about how we're um, still sleeping at your house, specifically in his bed. I mean, it would be a little presumptuous for the heroes of Torch yeah. to be summarily kicked out of their dicks. Well, I, I believe Sam did say Connor was staying at the foundry. Not in his head, which means which Connor's bed is open. No, not the <laughs> yeah. foundry, nor the foundry, but the foundry. Remember, oh, all three true. buildings are called the foundry. Oh, that's and right. With no additional adjectives yeah. to specify which one's which. Yeah, Kira's just been reunited with her family and now feels okay going home, but uh, we've set a precedent, so... I know, <laughs> I mean... Routine is important. <laughs> I can't express enough. How inappropriate and really ridiculous it is to sleep in this person's home rather than the literal inn. But I don't want to ruin the mood of celebration. Perhaps there's time for chastisement later. In the meantime... and Maybe we can find a, a, a different place for you guys to stay. I mean, like, or, Garmin's or house. you guys. I mean, it's fine. Well, I mean, just like Garmin's house, you know, is pretty nice, and he's gone. I personally don't understand what's wrong with sleeping on the floor of a creepy church. Yeah. <laughs> Radley comes out of nowhere. Well, you're crapping my style. <laughs> <laughs> I need those nights. That's where I make my money. Throws <laughs> just like it's so strange he had this weird walled fighting ring that's all padded <laughs> allowing me to sleep in there every evening it's just I think I joked in one of the early episodes that I said something like I have no idea what he's doing at night but it helps me sleep the sound of it <laughs> <laughs> it's so murder. what is it is it what time of day is that is it speaking of it's like yeah, late it's... morning at this point. I mean, you all got up. Yeah, I was gonna say because really we fought early. her pretty early. Yeah, mm, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah. And it took some time to you know go through everything else and make your way back out, but it's still morning. I think Bricks is also gonna feel a little sad watching Kira reunite with her family a bit and turn back to the torch for a second and just look at the water and be like, "You bastard! You could you could be watching this with us." Right now. Just like looks down at the water and thinks a little bit more about Sandville. We tried to talk him out of fighting. We did. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, in his mind, Bricks is, Bricks is stoked. I mean, like looking back, the folks seeing the reflection of the torch in their faces, that's exactly what he was squaring off with Sandville about. These are the people that deserve technology. These are the people that deserve the, the, the gifts of Numeria and Sky. Um, so, yeah, no, but it, it also makes him sad because, like, Sandville just had this appreciation of this that very few other people did. And it's just, you know, there's a hole, I think, in the, the torch that, that Bricks tried to save. Uh, it's just not complete without him there, even if he was a very complicated cat. Um, but I think he'll also turn to Asher say um, kind of motioning towards Kira I don't want to bother her with this but I think that we should kind of motions towards Vargas uh, I think that we should probably speak to Dolga let her know what's you know under there and 
My thoughts exactly. It's not to presuppose that Kara doesn't want to be yeah. part of this. I just don't want to edge mm. up and be like, right, 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 break it up, break it up, break it up. <laughs> They're capable well, for business. Now. I wonder if we, I wonder if with Hunter's issue fixed and the headaches gone, if we shouldn't be talking to the entire town council with what we discovered about what Sandville did. That's wise. Because this seems like kind of the thing we need to warn the entire council about is there could be somebody coming here from the Technic League. Yeah. And Dolga had told us, too, that he was sort of their main contact with the Technic League, and that was really some of his importance in recovering him. He he may be familiar with this Gartone as well. I agree we should get her attention and have a conversation, perhaps not loudly proclaim, we must talk about the coming invasion. Uh, <laughs> sort of say, we must talk about a coming invasion. Not quiet. I kind of put a finger on the side of his nose. <laughs> Discretion is the better part of valor. I think, uh, yeah, as Kira's still talking to her mother and presumably her father, if he's wandered over, um, she will, as conspiratorially as she is able, be like, we kind of have to talk to you guys about a coming invasion. Uh, and then, And then wink. In a not at all subtle way. <laughs> I guess probably turn around and also uh, thumbs up Asher. I did it. I saw. That was great. Thanks. So uh, to the silver disc call then for some uh, Gogurt uh, shots. I'm assuming we would go to Dolga's office. And <laughs> where the primo Gogurt shots are. <laughs> It's true. Um, well, the year. <laughs> Silver Disc Hall is definitely um, closed for the time being, so I don't know. You oh. could break in there and see what they've got left over. I don't know. I suppose it's important we talk to the town council. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, I thought you meant like have the council meeting in the Silver Disc Hall for a minute. <laughs> like, why are we going there instead of their office? <laughs> Play some games. Most of the council people that you know are here. Um, then there's Connor, um, who's back at the foundry, uh, cause he's not super mobile just now. Maybe that's where we go. We go to the foundry? With yeah. the council in tow? Yes, we could meet at the foundry tavern. And then you can become acquainted with your lodgings. This is an excellent plan. Do you mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the lodgings. <laughs> yeah, you know, Connor's honestly, lodgings, I, mean, yeah. I usually like to go through the window. Because it just adds an element of he does like to go secret ingredient is crime. <laughs> now, which one of us, I wonder, as the like end of book one scene happens, like we see sitting down in Garmin's office as like the sign turns to open, and they're now the leader of the like crime syndicate in town. <laughs> Petting a it cat seems... that's mysteriously appeared. Yes. I mean, it's got to be Kira. <laughs> Yay! No one suspects the team. Based on the uh, documentary uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 5, the teenager is the one that takes over the criminal organization at the end. Sounds valid. I'm down. Or better, the like the camera zooms in on this em- seemingly empty chair and then pans down, and, and it's <laughs> small definitely Kingsley. That <laughs> 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 probably makes more sense. Hat. You're right. You're right. He's <laughs> got a little tie. He's got a mustache now. Clacking his... <laughs> Fingers. That's how you can tell he's at a heel turn. <laughs> I'm going to bed. 
<laughs> well, um, I think it, it probably takes <laughs> you Jeff. a bit to um, extract yourselves from the um, sort of revelry here. Um, and there's definitely talk of there being some kind of um, celebration later because, you know, everyone's much happier now and the, the torch is basically a beacon letting the people who letting all the crafters and artisans that have left town um, in search of other places to make stuff know that <laughs> that torch is back in business they can be seen from very far away um, but I, I think you know eventually if you manage to extract yourselves uh, you're heading to the foundry you said and presumably let the um, counselors know yeah, it'd be the the tavern, because I guess that's the one with the um, conference room. Okay. I would presume, like, the common room, if they're not really open, would be just fine. Yeah, it's got, like, like a La Quinta thing. It's got the billboard out in front. Uh, <laughs> welcome <laughs> to Torch, Torch Town Lane. Council. <laughs> <laughs> one terrible pot of coffee. Oh, just like a La Quinta Inn, there's a satanic ritual in the corner of this building. Um, there's always a satanic Thanks. ritual. Val's at the door saying, welcome this way, this way. <laughs> Drag in a whole bunch of torch NPCs here. I thought I had some kind of token for Kira's mom, but I'm not seeing it. So... You can use your veg- imagination, and here's a veggie pigment. <laughs> <laughs> that shall be our stand-in for now. I mean, we know she's adopted, so <laughs> <laughs> who can say? Ah, what are we doing? Fog of war. Okay, so um... <laughs> instead of like any of the other female NPC tokens you have, you're just like veggie pigmy. <laughs> well, all the female NPC tokens are accounted for. <laughs> Is the robot sitting in as well? <laughs> well, the Connor's riding it. <laughs> uh, Connor's in the uh, corner of the room, and he's got the um, repair robot that he found in Val smash the head in. Um, he's taken most of the body off of it, and it looks like he's been working on uh, modifying it. Sort of a work in progress. Um, oh, I hope he turns himself into like a robot centaur. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's very cool. We can talk to him about the other robot parts and things that are waiting in the engineering deck, maybe after. <laughs> and um, so you've got the assembled crowd of um, sitting in the Foundry Tavern, which has been closed for quite some time to basically everyone but you. Uh, you've got Councilwoman Dolga Frederick, who has held down the fort by herself. Uh, you've got Connor Bain, uh, finally actually up to um, hanging out. Why am I missing somebody? I'm missing Joram Kite. Yeah, Joram Kite is here. And then we also have Boslundi Otterby, who has not yet appeared, but she's here. And Val is hanging out because she doesn't want to leave. And then we've got the four of you. And, of course, Kira's mom. <laughs> Kira's mom, the veggie <laughs> It's got a heart on it. Was that person's name Boslerman? Baslundi Otterby. 
That was close. And she's the one next to Connor? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Dolga sits back in her chair. Um, and she says, well, I had my doubts at the beginning, but you all have proven yourselves very capable indeed. Thank you so much for the service you've provided this town. You're welcome. <laughs> Parker's looking up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Okay, now tell them the next part. <laughs> you didn't want any money, right? You were just doing that ah, to, doing it to right. be nice, right? <laughs> well, there was money promised. <laughs> Yeah, she smiles and, and digs out a pouch, um, puts it on the table, uh, and then a, a scroll tube as well. And she says that, yes, 4,000 gold for relighting the torch. And, uh, of course, the scroll of resurrection that we had reserved for... Forgot about that. Our dear friend Connor here. And Connor nods. Thankfully, we didn't need that. I, I thank you all for not uh, doing anything rash like, say killing me before you carried me out from under the mountain because it would be easier. Vargas's eyes kind of dart sideways. <laughs> it's absolutely not the type of pragmatic thinking we like to have here in our adventuring party. Didn't consider it. No. No sane or moral person would even for a moment think of taking such drastic measures. Anyway, yes, it, it was no simple task to Relight the torch, as we can imagine. And along the way, there have been losses throughout town. And, well, we'll have time to grieve those losses. But I'm concerned more for the near and immediate future of this town. And, uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? You may have noticed that one of the merchants was not present at the relighting torch celebration. Sanville had a connection, he claims, with the Technic League, and we're not certain whether he has made them aware of the goings-on on the findings beneath the mountain, or whether it was in his plan to do so. He did disclose to us that he had uh, hoped to relight the torches part of a way to gain favor with the League and let them have all of the well the, the technological marvels beneath this town profit off it essentially and with no regard to what may happen to its inhabitants and well I, I have no interactions with the League yet myself and by all accounts that's a good thing but I'm concerned if he has told them, whether in part or in full, that their business in this town would change drastically. And, uh, at the mention of Sandville, Connor's face has definitely darkened. Um, he looks down for a second and swallows, and then he goes in. What, what is uh, Mr. Tret's status now? He was killed in battle. We attempted to talk him down he attacked us we fought back and though it was not the intended outcome he died in the combat uh, he nods and 
thinks for a second. That was today or yesterday? Yesterday. He had followed us into the torch. He confronted us there. He attempted to talk us into his plan. He believed that if he gave the League the technology under the mountain, they would make him a captain. Honestly, I think they probably would have just killed him and taken it anyway, but he was adamant about it. There was no talking him out of it. He wasn't himself. He was... Now, Sandville can hold his, his, his substances. I've seen all manner of intoxicant pass through that man. But what he had in those jars... It was as if all reason had left him. He was a man possessed, gonna. Brix is gonna hold a really long stare with Connor for like five seconds and then turn to Dolga and go, It was unavoidable. Believe me, I'm the last one to shed his, or the last one who would want to shed his blood. It's not the only body we found under there. Ah, Gerald Sonder appeared to have perished in a room with mold. But I I believe we digress. Asher, as you were saying. Yes, Joram, we also have an alternative to him. The holy symbols of the priests from out of town who perished under the hill as well. And after this meeting, perhaps we can see if we have a way of contacting their next of kin. But are you familiar, Connor, with Gartone? And he just about um, visibly kind of shudders at the mention of the name. There's there's a definite reaction there. Um, And uh, Connor says, well, first of all, Gerald, uh, he was a good man. He he came under the mountain with me. He was a member of my party. I, I tried to send him back when we were overwhelmed by the constructs, but apparently he didn't make it. I am deeply grieved to hear it. As far as Mr. Trett goes, and what he may or may not have told the League, specifically uh, Gartone, who is one of one of the leaders of of the Technic League. I do not believe that he has shared much of any information with them yet, or had as of yesterday. He came and saw me um, yesterday morning, early, before um, our friend Joram was awake, and he... We had a conversation. It it was heated. I, I know what you mean about him not seeming himself, but... He dropped hints which led me to believe that he hadn't actually reached out to the League yet, so they may not know whatever it is he meant to tell them. That does track. He, uh, when he confronted us, still dripping from his dip in the pond, he was hmm, infuriated but amazed that we hadn't shared the magnitude of the wonders under that hill with him. Should 
logically follow, he wouldn't know exactly what to tell them just yet. Regardless, his comfort and desire to curry favor still makes him a, a dangerous element in this. And it's important to know that while you can still see that bright light out there, this might not be the same town it's shining over soon. Uh, the council ex exchanges a bunch of looks at that. And Dolga says, uh, well, we will have to do what we can to prevent them from coming. And hopefully receiving their tax payments on time will be enough. But obviously there's no way we can stop the Technicalique from coming should they wish to. And hopefully they simply won't. Um, Fargus is then going to say, have any of you here, and he'll look at uh, Joram, especially you, Father Kite, ever, and he takes the holy symbol out and sets it on the table, heard of a god who calls himself Hellion. Uh, there's a bunch of exchanged glances again, and... um. Joram looks over the holy symbol, and he shakes his head. He says, I, I, I'm afraid not. The ones who caused this trouble in the first place were apparently worshippers of this god, and believed that somehow they could use the torch to... Well, we're not sure exactly what they were trying to do, but we believe they came out of scrap wall. Kite and um, Willow, Kira's mother, exchange a look there, and and Kite says, "Well, uh, did you see any any evidence that this Hellion was a god to begin with? Anyone can claim to be a god, but to grant divine casting requires the the spark, actual spark of divinity." And uh, Vargas will look at his holy tattoo on his arm and say, Unfortunately, I can't make that assessment, but... And he'll turn to Asher. Would you say that was true divine magic she was using? Yes, yes, I would. I don't have the arcane knowledge to determine otherwise, but the way that she used this holy symbol, the way that she certainly spoke passionately of this deity that we were like ants before them that by sending this power to scrap all that they hope to do with that artifact the power relay that we found it seems that well perhaps it might be best to hear it from a follower herself the leader apparently the cleric as she may well be yet lives can't think of a better time to question her than right now now does the good council of this town have any resources that might induce someone to speak under duress? Perhaps coerce truth? We do, but, you know, seeing as we're the heroes and all of you, the grateful town council, I just wanted to see if you could do any. Am I getting anything from anyone's face besides annoyance? <laughs> um, yeah, and I think there's a bunch of blank looks and, um... Uh, Joram says, uh, I believe I could pray for a, a spell tomorrow. Right, right, yeah. I don't have anything on hand. Yeah, don't worry, we got the good stuff straight from the source. Yeah, I'm gonna... We don't have to use it, 
We could. We could see how, you know, compliant she is in the first place. Um, but I'm going to take out, what is it called? Tor- torpinol? Torfinol? Uh, torpinol. Tor- torpinol. I'm going to take out the old torpinol. The truth, the truth juice, as we like to say for the first time on this podcast. TM, TM, TM. Yeah, so I guess as this is going on, Carol just dig through the bag of holding and pull out a body. Use the grippers. <laughs> another look at her mom. Just, sorry, 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 sorry. It's like a claw game. <laughs> no, not that corpse. No. <laughs> Wrong one. Where are my keys? Um, can I grapple her? Yeah, I mean, she can't resist at this point. She's unconscious still and bound twice over. So you, know, you can just Just, pull just to be safe. You're going to, in addition, gonna get in addition a soft actually grapple. grapple her while she's unconscious? <laughs> it's like, a, like a, an aggressive hug. Go for it. Should, I, should, I should roll for that. Let's just give a quick grapple. Ooh, that's an 18 on the die, plus my, what, CMB? CMB, yeah. Now, that does provoke 26. an attack of opportunity if Vargas wants to punch you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sick of these stickers! Um, yes, you have successfully grappled Oh, man Well, she is unconscious Aha The tavern has windows, I would assume Yeah Okay I think that's these, right? Are these windows? Yeah, those are windows Perfect Father Kite or Father Adley We have sustained a fair bit of damage ourselves in the combats beneath the hill. If one of you can spare a channel of positive energy or two, that should be enough to revive this meander and additionally heal our wounds. Um, yeah, Joram nods. Uh, Mylan Radley is not here. He's not on Just the Just kidding. Also, he's too weird. <laughs> <laughs> For a second, I Edit thought he was here, and out. I just somehow wasn't seeing him. Um, <laughs> no one sees Mylon Radley until he wants to be seen. <laughs> um, so Joram channels positive energy for 13 healing. Ooh, Ooh nice. That is a juicy one. That's like yeah, a heal. Lots of juice. Joram juice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and that That's wakes... flavor number eight. That wakes Mayanda up, and she immediately, like, goes stiff in Kira's arms and uh, will immediately start thrashing wildly and will try to escape, um, but with, like, 5,000 penalties on her and tied with um, the ion tape, ion tape and rope and, rope. <laughs> and grapple, um, I think she quickly finds that it is futile. And um, she'll kind of go limp. That's a 26 grapple. <laughs> uh, she'll say, what is this? Don't worry, Meonda. Uh, we're going to pick your brain, but it's going to go a bit better for you than it did for Sandville, eh? Then <laughs> he's going to uh, pull out the, the little syringe and sort of just tap it on the side of the table speaking of him my friend the one you you know on his mind he left this 
I don't know a lot about it, but he knows a lot about drugs. Apparently, it just once it gets in you, you don't stop talking. I was just going to inject this in you while you were passed out, but I wanted to see if there's anything that you'd like to tell us before I let the juice do the talking. I have nothing to say to you. Can I roll for juice? Can Go for roll? it. <laughs> oh, is, is it like a touch attack? Uh, yeah, it would be a touch attack. Alrighty. Uh, roll touch. It's a 13 against her grapple tied zip taped touch AC. I'm also armorless and flat footed. Yeah, <laughs> a 13 will hit. Alright. She's getting the juice. So it's a one right? minute onset. Yeah, it does have a one minute onset. Do we make small talk for Yeah, it's like, so how are you? <laughs> Asher, Asher told me to tell you I like your hair. You weren't supposed to tell it's fine, we can talk about it later. <laughs> Asher will point at the window through which I would expect the purple flames illumination can be seen. As you can see, we've restored the torch. Meander, your god won't be receiving any power from this town. You've made a grievous error. It wouldn't be my first, and I expect it won't be my last. But you can avoid some grievous errors of your own by giving us some information and being helpful. The only information that I'm willing to give you is that it is in all of your best interest to turn that torch off, to power the relay on once more, and to resume transmitting power to my Lord of Rust. Why? Because the God requires it. Because the alternative is likely worse than death for all of us. But what is the alternative? She sort of just clams up. <laughs> the minute elapses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she clams up and uh, looks down. And she says, I, I've said what I'm going to say. I'm kind of envisioning this <laughs> town council of elders would have a lot of grilling questions <laughs> to grill this. Yes, Dad. Sam, talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a lot of different voices. Oh, God. Some um, insolence in that inflection. <laughs> yeah, so um, Dolga uh, will step forward uh, around the table, kind of screeching the chair out intimidatingly. She'll say, and th- this is the, I take it, the one who was behind shutting off the torch to begin with? Uh-huh. What do you call yourself, android? And uh, Meanda is just, you know... She's totally silent, looking at the ground. Uh, Dolga keeps approaching. And she says, We don't know that we're enemies. This could all be some misunderstanding. But we've never heard of your Lord of Rust. And we have no reason to believe that the torch should be off. If you mean to convince us of anything... You, you'd best use your words, girl. And uh, Meanda, we'll, we'll say a minute has passed, 
is going to roll her will save against the uh, drugs. And um, she raises her head up and she looks at um, Dolga. And she says, There will be no survivors if you do not submit to Helion. Helion is the only one who can save this world. He is the only god who walks among us. There is still time. Resume sending power to him. Let me go, and I will plead on your town's behalf. Perhaps he will protect you in the coming storm. If this Helion is so powerful, why does he need the power of the torch? Aha! There are different types of power in this world, <laughs> in the worlds beyond. And there are different uses in this world and the worlds beyond. It is not for us to question what a god needs energy for. It is only for us to provide it to him and to stay out of his way. Well, since we're the ones who turn the torch back on, maybe we can plead on our own behalves. Why does it have to be you? Also, your hair is great. Thank you, yes. <laughs> Just sort of this way when I was born. It's a weird thing with androids. <laughs> Far be it for me to judge your culture and your hairstyles, but you certainly have piqued my curiosity. What, What is this coming storm? What, what does Hellion need to save this world from? He has not told me. Not the specifics. Only that a great danger lurks in this land. Something far beyond what any of us could comprehend. And that he is the only one who can save us. Well, that's a lot of stuff to take on faith, I, I guess. When you're speaking directly to a god, you believe him. How did you know about the power under the, the mountain, under the torch? Where did you get the relay? The Lord of Rust provided it. It was amongst his treasures. Now the light atop the mountain, I had hoped, when I heard of it, that it would be a portable reactor, which could simply be extracted and brought back. I was not so lucky, obviously. You've You've seen the device. It's not going to move. But the relay was our second option. Can Hellion also not move? Or not interact with power relays or torches? Hellion can do anything he wishes. Well, except forget the torch. <laughs> he can get the torch. He sent me here to get it for him. Because such work is beneath a god, and I was happy to do it. Now, I have failed him. As things are now, he will come, and he will crush this town. He will wipe it off the face of the earth. His fury will be beyond anything you can comprehend. Or, you can give him what he wants. I question his motives and intentions in saving the world. If 
the power from this torch would do so, and he seems interested in doing so, but then would be so full of rage at our defiance, he would simply crush this town. Do you serve an evil god? A good god? I know it's presumptuous of me to question his alignment or his motives, but... Or how about just a voice and a shadow that slumps around a big pile of garbage? <laughs> She's gritting her teeth, and for somebody who uh, doesn't really show emotion on her face, it seems like you're making her mad. Um... Also, the whole time this conversation is going on, Vargas is idly, like, defacing her <laughs> holy symbol. Like, he's, like, bending it and messing around with it and stuff. I thought you just stopped at defacing her. I was like, you're <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> scratching that stuff. pause there. I was like, what, is he giving her tattoos? Is this- <laughs> Your adamantine fingers just, <laughs> Vargas was here, scratched into her arm. Kick me. <laughs> yeah, when she sees that in her peripheral vision, she'll sort of struggle physically again. But again, she's not getting anywhere. Asher will... Uh, as he watches Vargas deface this holy symbol, he'll just sort of keep aware, knowing that uh, Vargas's fanaticism recently murdered one helpless person and just wants to make sure that he's ready to intercede if Vargas is just like, your God's dumb, and tries to snap her neck. Uh, as you do. Just sort of a, just a general, if Vargas makes a hostile movement towards uh, Moana, he will restrain, attempt to restrain Vargas from doing so. Yeah, no, he's just messing around with the thing because he knows it's going to kick Millie Vanilli off and he <laughs> just keeps doing that. Like he's purposely acting like he's not paying attention to anything that's being said and is just like bending this thing back and forth. Yeah, we definitely need more information about Scrapwall, Lords of Rest. We can try to get creative with eking out what we want to learn about Hellion, but like seems like she's only really interested in talking about him and like reverent extreme like like the way that someone who a zealot would talk about their god normally would right so i don't know if we're gonna get like weaknesses shortcomings or any reality on him i don't know but uh bricks isn't really in control of this interrogation yeah after a while she says well he is weak against hummus (laughs) (laughs) it's a terrible chickpea allergy well, Meander, I, I wonder, the technology beneath the torch, this reactor, is it's rather complex. Is there not some way that we could potentially keep the torch running for this town and use the power relay to send power back to Scrapport? Is it not powerful enough to do both of us? If... Your Hellion truly does have the best interests of all of Galarian at heart, then. We, we do not have to be enemies, as Dolga has said. We would have a common interest. 
Perhaps, if you allow me to disable the failsafe once again, I can resume sending power to Scrapwall. And while that is going on, we can work together to research a way to light your precious torch at the same time. Torch comes first. I don't know who this thing you keep talking about is, but if he's willing to destroy us just because we said no and took something that was ours, then he can have the secondary power. Maybe. That is not negotiable. You're not really in a position to negotiate. Just look to your immediate left and right. Those are both Kira's hands. You can kill me if you wish, or you can keep me prisoner in some vain hope that I will give you something that you think you need, and my lord will come, and he will kill all of you. Presuming that he is able to take physical form and be seen, which he hasn't been up until this point, right? I have seen him. What's he look like? I cannot tell you that. In like a, <laughs> like a metaphorical sense, or are you literally unable to say? His true form is something that is beyond your eyes or mine. I could tell you the physical form or one of the physical forms that he takes, that he shows to those who wish to see him, but that would not truly capture the being. I appreciate your concern for my full apprehension of the experience. That said, humor me. And she looks at Brig- Brixby uh, deadpan and just says, he he looks like a demon. Looks like a demon, or is a demon. You do know that there are plenty of powerful demons who are able to give you the kind of powers you used in your fight against us. He is a god, not a demon. He is not of that realm or that plane of existence. He is of this one. He is a god wholly of the physical world and a being beyond your comprehension. How big is his clergy, his flock? Big enough. You know, that woman over there asked you a question earlier. She's had decades, decades to perfect the art of getting what she wants out of people. I know you appear to be beyond the realm of intimidation or concern over your own corporeal form. What I can tell you is that if she can't get it out of you, that gentleman over there laying in the wreckage of a robot, I'm sure he could figure out how to rip whatever we need out of the circuits behind those eyes. There's still a chance you could go after this. Let's just be honest. Tell her what she wants to know. What is it that you want to know, Dolka? This is all a bit confusion, confusing as it's it's rather new to me. I mean, I, su- I suppose I know now why you turned the torch off to begin with. And supposedly why you need the power. But it's obviously mutually exclusive with our uh, town's survival. So I'm not sure that there's anything to to say. We could make an example of you. Perhaps we could send word back to Scrapwall that you and your people have been defeated and that this town is not to be trifled with. That worked in the old days, but judging by the craziness in in this one's eyes, I'm not sure that you can resort to traditional intimidation. It may not be in the town's best interest to expedite the delivery of bad news to whatever this being is. 
Perhaps, with or without her, we should go to scrap all ourselves for reconnaissance. Willow clears her throat, and, and she says, uh, Scrapwall is its not exactly a place of a, a coherent government or, or any sort of coherent group. It's, it's, a, it's a lawless land. It's, uh, I would be surprised if anyone, God or not, ever sees true control of the place. But it's been quite some time since I've been that far away from Torch. By all accounts, this Hellion doesn't sit in a town council building in the center of town. We heard from one of the followers that he's underneath Scrapball somewhere. I still think it sounds like he's some sort of demonic entity. If he does have some kind of physical form, maybe we can kill it, send him back to the Nine Hells. And if we go there before he comes here, then no one here has to get hurt. You're certainly welcome to try. Despite my companion's enthusiasm, I haven't ruled out that potentially this Hellion may, despite misguided execution, at least believe that some, for some reason some coming apocalypse can be averted. I'd really prefer to hear more about that myself before attempting to engage in combat. It's very simple. There is a dread power in this land that grows always. Hellion is the only being with the capability of defeating it, of protecting this world and those he deems worthy of being saved. We do not give him what he needs. There is no saving any of us. He's... he's only going to save some of us? He will save those who are worthy. What does that mean? Well, perhaps if you cease working against him to begin with, prostrate yourselves before the true god who walks Galarian, and then perhaps you may be saved. You mean if he gets the power, so he can do anything but come get the torch himself and defeat this thing without its power. It's just that the list of things that he can't do without us is growing. It's all very complicated. I, we you know, just it's, said it's simple. Well, it's simple. And it's complicated. The whole concept is its both at the same time. You just have to do the things that I say and it'll work. <laughs> if your Lord of Russ cannot defeat this dread power that's growing without this technology, we are known as very capable. We may be able to take on this dread force ourselves. I am growing less convinced of the wholesome intentions of Hellion by the moment. Any god that would willingly... Leave to perish those who do not prostrate before him. Well, that's not anyone that deserves our obedience. So I'm having a bit of a foundry building, building this building, that moment here. So you're part of the Lords of Rust, but he's a Lord of Rust, or is the gang the Lord of the Rust? Both. He's the Lord of Rust, and we're the Lords of Rust, plural. Lowercase l? It's still... It's still a proper name, so it's still a uppercase L, but it's not like Lord of Rust, like bold. <laughs> but so, um, am I to assume that this criminal enterprise, the Lords, Lords in Rust, uh, is to follow Hellion's appearance? And, and when, when was that exactly? When did he show up? To save all of us. Some, Some of us. Of, yeah. 
Thank you. Right. Good good correction there. She just casually makes another attempt to break out and doesn't go super well for her. Um, Stop it. <laughs> just bonk. <laughs> <laughs> and she dies. <laughs> and she doesn't answer that question. She just sits silently, going back to climbing up. All right. Well, what I'm primarily trying to determine right now, and, and maybe there's a, a better way to get out of it, I got sidetracked about what came first, the Lord of the Rust or the Lords of the Rust. But, like, are the Lords of the Rust the only gang in Scrapwall? There are a bunch of gangs up there. Um, yeah. That's, I guess, what I'm trying to determine. And I didn't, I, because I, at first when I was hearing about the Lords of the Rust, it was like, oh, okay, that's like the gang in the garbage pit. And now it's like, but we are a cult gang. So I didn't realize that it was, uh, yeah, interesting. Well, I think it's a combination of both. Like, they're a gang, but they're also a cult of Hellion. So does, in Scrapwall, aside from the Lords of Rust, are there other gangs it's kind of a general question towards the few counselors that had answered questions about Scrapwall as well as the Bounder robot. Yeah, we'll say, uh, well, yeah, there's always been a, a, a number of gangs there, and usually not cults that I've ever heard of, but you know, several different groups, sometimes warring, sometimes peaceful, and then a number of people who aren't specifically affiliated with anyone. I'm trying to figure out if there's like a stronghold of zealotry or like more of a crazy whatnot situation. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, the, <laughs> I don't know how exactly to explain in character, but I think the sense that Willow at least is trying to give is that it, it's like this sort of no man's land where there are lots of different factions and it's kind of, mm. kind of like a um, refuge for criminals and ne'er-do-wells and stuff. Out beyond law. I'm trying to think if either her or Patchy Blue has said, like, how long Hellion has been around there. Well, that's what I asked, but she wouldn't say anything. Yeah, because didn't Patchy say something? Like, he said he was a new god. He said or, he's yeah. the new god on the scene. Yeah. I think it was his specific... So I'm wondering if, like, most of Scrapwall isn't still, like, kind of. Like, I was thinking kind of like Mad Maxi, like a bunch of different... So, and I'm wondering if it's not still mostly like that, like... Because part of me wants to say, like, if this thing is as strong as she says it is, and if it can give her divine magic, it should be like, obviously, everybody would be worshipping this guy there, because he would have killed anyone that wasn't. Mm. But if he's only been there a little while, then there could still be a bunch of different factions. That's true. We also don't know where they get their power from. I mean, like we said before, like we don't know. God is kind of a deity. Is usually this just unpackable term, but here, like we see, there's a, a a varied degree of power. I mean, needs literal physical power to function or do something. We don't know what they're exactly doing. Yeah, with the power. I, I still think it's going to end up being some kind of weird, like alien robot demon. Like I'm, just, I just keep picturing chance. like the cyber demon from Doom, basically. Uh, yeah, 
I still keep thinking of Robot Satan from Futurama. So somewhere yeah. in between the two, right probably. There, yeah. 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 Split the difference. Um, but yeah. Now, I don't like to uh, waste good jokes, especially the ones of uh, a man that's passed recently that would shrink at the thought. But I worry uh, we're not going to get much out of this robot. Can anybody think of any other information? I mean, she is really not helpful. So it's like she's yeah. there's it's and she doesn't. I mean, she seems to go the the art of of brevity by not letting mm-hmm. any little like details slip by to us. I mean, it's hard to just get like what his form looked like. But um, were we to go, Meander, and prostrate ourselves before this alien? Is there a particular location that would be ideally suited to do do so? Does he have a a temple or something along those lines where we could go? If you're serious about going to Scrapwall, (laughs) attempting to assault the palace of of an actual god, then take yourselves to the Scrapmaster's arena. Present yourselves there and see if you can earn your way in. It is a Thunderdome. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Freaking Thunderdome. I'm going to die in this book. Yeah, no, I was like, that, that sounds exciting, except for bricks. Kira's great. Sorry. I'm going to die in this book. My backup is going to use that cool camo suit. <laughs> oh, man. For sure. Oh, jeez. Yeah, this will be no. great. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to put on that panic suit right off. <laughs> Immediately panicked. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anything else other than trying to get a clue before we go of where we're supposed to head. Um, yeah. Um, it's super hot in my office. I feel you. Um, same. <laughs> I was trying to think what else. I mean, here's the thing. We could leave. I don't know what the town council wants to do with her. Like, I don't know what sort of crime this... I don't even know if this crime is on the books, necessarily, yeah, or if they have to invent a new law that she just broke. Turning out but the like, torch. Yeah, light theft from the mountain. <laughs> damages, at least. But, yeah, I guess there's something along the lines of getting your, what, liver eaten out or whatever they did to Prometheus. But, like, no, like, what, what are they really going to do to her? Like... Uh, they could hold on to her and question vandalism (laughs) yeah i guess but basically what i'm saying is like if there's any other information we could provided we trust connor enough be like look town council keep this robot see what you can get out of her eventually like i don't know do androids have rights in numeria i don't want to be screwed up by saying that but like do they like is, is she going to be treated like a human by the legal process there? Do you want to roll like, in knowledge local? Yeah, I love rolling, Sam. Let's see. Nine. 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 It's a 19. Every it's my 16. What? Doesn't matter. Lower than a 19. But 18, <laughs> I just want everyone to know. I got an 18 <laughs> on that knowledge local roll. Sky um, metal. Well, <laughs> technically speaking, um, every android in Numeria is considered property of the Technic League. 
they're not considered to be living beings. Even All right. They're pretty that clearly gets living beings. Confusing. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what added level of, of whateverness that does with the technically conversation we were having about having them keep an android. But I don't know. It's also kind of weird as much as Brix doesn't like her to talk about her like she isn't a living thing. It's kind of against this this whole ethos, man. Yeah, I mean, there are androids in Nomeria and they live normal lives just sort of around. But um, as far as the technically specifically is concerned, they're pieces of technology that is owned by them and not that they round them up or anything they, they don't go out in search of androids but it's kind of a weird legal thing I get it well probably cruel and unusual to just stuff her back in the bag and take her with us <laughs> yes. I mean it would be funny <laughs> I would love uh, that I mean I don't know anytime like a former enemy is forced to join a <laughs> party of i mean she'll eventually be our friend i'm if anime has taught us anything this will be what do we want to do with her gang you just roll her yeah. in the blanket and tape around it I mean, <laughs> has anybody here seen the movie prometheus the one with the bad where running? they take off michael fassbender's head and put it in the backpack and just carry that around there we go. <laughs> what what better example of star-crossed lovers than one who hates all technology and one who is technology? <laughs> Obviously, Vargas and Mayanda are going to get married. It's uh, beautiful. Clearly. Mayanda before that vision. happens... <laughs> uh, and, you know, Asher's a paladin. He, he might be able to officiate, but I bet uh, Joram would probably be honored too as a as a clerical fry uh but before before you know i won't put the car before the horse i'm yeah, pretty sure the courtship that hellion yet. would um, demand the right to officiate if he exists well just give her away right <laughs> yeah that's fair walk her down the aisle in his cool demon form uh but anyway pre-courtship jumping the gun i am concerned perhaps now more of this supposed self-proclaimed god's imminent wrath on this town than the Technic League's potential coming of knowledge and in either situation Torch should do what it can to defend itself or protect itself and he'll look to his companions and, and ask should we make haste to scrap all in the morning? Should we return under the mountain to see if there's anything useful there we should obtain. I guess I'm presuming a lot that <laughs> that, it, that we are suddenly the defenders of Numeria or Galarian as a whole. I, for one, will, will seek out this scrap master's arena. But the three of you even wish to accompany me on this journey. Well... We should we should look back under the mountain first, right? Because of those, uh, I think they've been called blood gushers, and also um, plant friend is down there, and there were two other decks, and and all the other stuff. So we we can't leave yet, yet, or you can't leave yet. 
I would agree with Gary's sentiment that we shouldn't leave yet. Yeah. Just a lot of bodies have piled up to get under that hill. And um, who knows, somewhere down the line, someone might need to go under there and do maintenance. We should make it safe. I mean, God forbid if a gearsman wanders out from under there. So, um, yeah, we should clean out under the hill. Please make sure that there's no imminent danger for the town. And I love denial of pleasure to the Technic League. So, anything that we can just or give to the people here. But I, uh, he looks at the town council and then looks back at them. We may not be named the defenders of Numeria, but if there's something I know about this forsaken piece of dust, is that it is rare to find one, not two, not three, but four people who care and are aligned here in this moment. He like looks back out at the torch. See, I'm going to scrap wall. Even if I die in the next book. I also agree that scrap wall seems like the next logical choice. I believe that if there is anything else that I need to do to redeem myself, it seems to be pointing in that direction. But I also agree that we need to make sure that the area under the hill is safe for the town, as well as make sure that the Technic League doesn't end up sending some kind of search party or something here over the next few days. So, you're all gonna stay? For a little bit? Yes, if if the council has no objections to our continued exploration beneath their town, it seems that it's in the town's best interest for us to make it safe. And I mean, look around you. We are in a tavern, and there are rooms here for us to occupy that aren't in the personal home of any of its council members. I suppose, yes, we could stay here in this very building to rest well, in this building. This is this the, one. No, you lost me. You lost me there. This is right where they here. do the council things, though. No, that's the town council hall. We just, out of consideration and respect for Connor's current condition, met here, where people stay. He's still like that. I mean, we wouldn't want him to move from this building back to the... Do you, do you see how hard it is for him to move around, Asher? Yeah, Asher, you're being... You would want him to leave here. So inconsiderate right now. You're talking in front of him as though he can't even hear you. Who's being inconsiderate? <laughs> and he's just sort of face-palming. <laughs> it's your fault for having such a comfortable bed. Looks <laughs> back away. Um, yeah, I don't know. To that, though, I don't know if Brix actually would want to stay here. I, I kind of want to figure out where Sandville was staying. I mean, most likely he probably rented another room at that same place he stayed last time. And his cart would have to be somewhere, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I know 
from when we fought him here. He was apparently carrying every last piece of gold that he owned on, in his life on him under the mountain for some reason, but we also may be able to find his other stuff that I assume he didn't take. Yeah, there's an Arby's bag in his Buick LeSabre, canonically, <laughs> that has other things in it. Um, so, have you come to a conclusion on what you're doing with Mayanda? Do they want her? And do they have the means to contain her? Well, I, I believe without a, a holy symbol, we she should be should be possible to contain her in a normal cell. Uh, if she won't have access to her magic, um, we can improvise something, perhaps in the old silver disc hall, now that it's not being used, or in the, in the basement of the town hall. I believe they've used uh, some of the chambers down there for cells before. Uh, we can improvise something. She's not going to get a hat, right? Those are only for us <laughs> and paying silver disc hall guests. Right. All, all the hats have been stowed away and cataloged there. Good, good. None of them will escape our notice. <laughs> yes, I, I would also recommend perhaps Brixby discuss some of his ideas for rehabilitation. There's community service to be done that may yet warm up Mayanda to this town. She may come to think of it as home, given enough time. Brixby just smiles really wide at this, <laughs> explaining nothing to any of the council. <laughs> the implication makes it worse. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think if we're allowing this impromptu town council meeting to come to a close, that seems like a good time to go to bed. We did it. Night, Sam. Night, Sam. Pot Against the Machine is property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path One, are properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information. Theme Against the Machine is written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect lessons. Jeff went on a rampage last weekend about Rampage is Rampage. an incredible <laughs> exaggeration. He was throwing I'm just things. Glad we were scared. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you were able to put your office back together in time to record, from what I've heard, just now, in this moment. <laughs> Slander and libel. Uh, that's fair. And I don't want to miss a thing I don't want to miss one joke I don't want to miss one quip I just want to be with you right here With you recording this shit stuff I don't just want to 